Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Quick programming note at the top of this episode. I completely butchered Steven's name, and I am sorry about that in the intro. And by this time, the intro's all recorded, etc., etc. So I just kept it in there because I only mispronounced him once. But his name is Steven Christian. I know that now, and I apologize profusely to him. But uh, yeah, Steven Christian from Amberlynn. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Well, hello, you podcast humans that are consuming this particular episode because one, you love independent music. Two, you may or may not care about this guest, but you're engaged with this show in a meaningful way, and I appreciate that. And so does my guest this week, and his name is Steven Christensen. He's the vocalist for Anne Berlin, who have just released a new EP on Equal Vision Records called Silverline, and I was really stoked to have this conversation. I've always personally enjoyed Anne Berlin, their rock slash emo slash Christian emo, whatever you know, type of music you want to categorize them as. I've always enjoyed it. And I thought what they have done uh, and continue to do has always been cool. And it's always uh, something that I engaged with. And I've seen them a couple of times, put on a great live show. I was excited to have Steven on just because Anne Berlin exists in this world where I think many bands exist now, that it's this full-time, part-time thing where they are, band members are able to engage with some real life things, whether it's job, family, kids, et cetera, et cetera. But then they're able to still have the creative pursuits of playing in a band and playing some shows here and there. And I just like that because to me, it feels really vital because when you have these opportunities, especially to watch these bands play live, it feels like there's a little more skin in the game as opposed to, oh man, this is my fifth time through this particular city in a year. I don't know. I wouldn't say it cheapens it because clearly there are bands that, uh, you know, do it from a full-time perspective and uh, are really, really good. But uh, I just feel, I don't know, like I'm kind of torn between those two experiences because at times there are bands that are on the road forever and just become so sharp live. It is undeniable. And then there's other times where maybe the band isn't as sharp, doesn't play as many shows, but you feel like they're leaving it all out on the stage. And I don't know, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. But regardless, very excited to have Stephen on, had a great chat, but let's get some business pleasantries, I would say out of the way, but no, I want you to be aware of them. I want you to email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. I want you to engage with the show notes. I put some links in there in regards to finding out more information for who does the uh, music at the very beginning and the end of this show. If you wanted to buy some shirts from this particular podcast, if you wanted to learn more about the sponsors that exist in here, all of those things are in the show notes, really, really easy for you to access. You can also 
dip into your podcast platform. Usually it's Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review. You can leave a star rating. Those are very appreciated in Spotify. You can also leave a star rating. All of this stuff will take you less than 30 seconds to engage with. So I'd really appreciate it if you did it because here we are like 500 some odd episodes in and I have to do this every single time because I don't know, maybe this is your first episode. Maybe this is your hundredth episode. Maybe you just need a reminder. (laughs) I know I myself always need reminders, but I want to talk. I went to some shows recently and I was very excited about them. For one, I saw Elliot reunite and they played here in Southern California at the Troubadour. And oh my gosh, Elliot just has not missed a beat. They are still so good. They played all of their false cathedrals record from front to back. And they even threw in some U.S. songs, songs, that's a little redundant, but some, uh, some tracks off that record. And I was, yeah, I just, I, I loved it. It was so good. And they really, uh, I don't know, they're just a special band. And I was really uh, happy to be able to watch that. I also watched Henry Rollins perform his spoken word tour. He's out for the next like year and a half. And you think I'm exaggerating, but that's, nope, he's out for the next year and a half. And I saw him on the third night of a Los Angeles residency. Dude's a machine. I don't need to tell you that if you've ever engaged, obviously, with Black Flag or him as a human. You know he's an intense dude. But it was it's so fun. He is a modern-day raconteur in regards to storytelling. And I, I highly encourage you, even if you could care less about Black Flag, it's not like he's just telling tour stories. He's talking about life, politics, et cetera, et cetera, telling stories. It's really, really, really good. And last night, I just saw my friends in Alexis on Fire. Love those humans. I actually was reflecting as they were playing. I'm like, I almost collected the whole band. I just need to have Chris, the bass player, and uh, yeah, and the drummer. And then uh, we got the whole we got the whole crew. But anyways, love seeing those live shows. And uh, yeah, some more shows coming up. Fun times, fun times. Live music is back, and it is exciting. So, anyways, let's talk to Stephen from Anne Berlin. Fun chat. Here we go. Just get over time. punk hardcore kid of a certain age i was first exposed to you on your first lp and uh you're probably going to laugh at this description but it was a a friend of mine that said hey you like you should check out Anne berlin because basically this is like hoobastank except it doesn't suck (laughs) (laughs) dude yes that is the yeah wow that is the (laughs) best assessment of our band ever of all time i appreciate that I'm glad I could share that with you because I I always found it funny as well. Uh, just because you know they're like clearly that is the the sort of you know big choruses, the radio rock elements or whatever. I mean, you wouldn't have used that terminology to define what Anne Berlin was doing at that moment. Um, but to me, and this is kind of the question I wanted to ask. It, it, it seems like the band's ambitions were always large to play beyond a scene so to speak i know that that may have not been the initial premise but it seems like you guys were not trying to attach yourself to one thing or another is that somewhat accurate or am i just kind of putting meaning into something that wasn't (laughs) fully thought out no 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 i mean that's a hundred percent you know we always wanted to to be just bigger than i i I guess in a long and larger sense we really just don't want to be defined by any genre. I don't care if it's like singer songwriter or folk, obviously emo and obviously Christian band and all the, all the labels that have kind of been stuck on us. We just wanted people to give us and our music a chance. You know, we didn't care what the background was or where people came from. We just wanted people to make their own decision as opposed to someone saying, Hey, they sound, you know, they, they're, they're in this genre. Therefore, you know, that's the summation of who they are as a band. But we did, you know, we, we try to think outside of the normal, like, you know, whatever the other bands were doing in our, you know, in our whatever scene or whatever our, you know, wherever we were, whether it was Tooth and Nail, Universal. We just tried to, like, get out of the confines, take out bands that, you know, may not be in the same exact genre. You know, try to tour with bands that, you know, like Linkin Park or Smashing Pumpkins or, you know, obviously Fall Out Boy and all of them. But it just we just tried to, like, you know... Just get out there and in front of as many faces as we possibly could and see, you know, hey, maybe maybe you'll like Amberlynn at the end of the day. 
Sure. And I mean, especially too, when you are starting, it's not like you have this grand blueprint of how a band is supposed to work. <laughs> You're like, all right, guys, oh, we're yeah. not going to play to us. <laughs> we're not going to play to a scene. But as things evolve, that's when you can start to, you know, maybe see the forest from the trees to say, oh, yes, we don't want to just be completely attached to this, not because we don't like it, but just because we want, like you said, to play to people who may not have had the you know, honor and privilege of watching a band in front of four people in a comic book store or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think the pinnacle of that was right around like, I would say 2012, 13, 14, when we were playing in front of like, it just, you know, when the radio was exploding for us and you'd have like old, old white guys and young black girls, you know what I'm saying? Just the whole spectrum, the whole entire gambit was just there hanging out and just, being a part of the show, being a part, and, and, and nobody thought anything of it. It was, you know, a bunch of emo kids and a bunch of rockers, and you know what I'm saying? So it was just, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. It was just kind of like a wide array of people, and it was just fun. Right. Well, and I think the way that I always describe that is there's a big difference between a show and a concert. You know, most you of your average civilians would define anything as a concert, but it isn't until, you you know, you've played a show in front of a hundred people where it's like, Oh yeah, that's a show. There's no way you can ever call it a concert. Right, 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 right. Yep. And looking, kind of putting the focus on you as a person, I know you were born in Michigan and then, uh, you know, you moved to Florida for your more formative years. Uh, what prompted that move? Was it just like parents and jobs and everything like that? Or was there something else behind it? So for the first 12 years of my life, my dad worked for a company called Whirlpool and they sell appliances and every year we would move. So, I mean, I lived in 12 different homes between the time of when I was born and 12 years old, you know, so we would just follow my dad's job. And so when we finally landed in Florida, my mom basically told my dad, you can keep moving, but I'm staying here. So you, you can quit your job or, you you know, and, and, and live with us here in Florida. Um, or you just keep moving because she was so content in Florida. And so that was why at 13, like we just stuck around and, um, that's where I, you know, immediately, immediately met the bass player. Um, I was in, let's see, actually I was a little younger than that. So I should, I must've been like 12 when we moved there and, um, he was in fourth grade, Dion was in fourth grade and Joey was in third grade at the same school. So we all, we all, I mean, we all knew each other, but we didn't, you know, we didn't hang out. Obviously we were, we weren't into music like we were, you know, later on in high school, but it's just cool to be from a small town where you just know everybody. And, uh, that's kind of where I met Dion. That's cool. That must've, uh, that much moving. I know people experience that in regards to, you know, their parents maybe being in the military or as you start, right. You kind of have to by default become a chameleon where every school you enter, you have to immediately, you know, maybe find one or two people, but then kind of just be that person where it's like, all right, I know I'm not going to be here for long. So I got to try to get along with everybody. Was that, how, how did you navigate that as you were moving school so much? No, I, I didn't even do that. Um, I didn't, I just stopped trying, you know, my brother, Paul was my best friend and still, still is one of my best friends. And, you know, we just, it was just him and I against the world. We never, we finally kind of settled into a town We'd look for friends like neighbors and stuff like that, but we knew that all friendships were just open hands because you're never going to be able to hang on, you know, for long. And so I think that in a way that kind of molded my early childhood, like in high school, I wasn't popular. I wasn't anything. I was just, I was the kid wearing all black in the back of the room, not because I was cool or metal or anything like that, just because I just really didn't want to be noticed, just figured I wasn't going to be there for long anyway. And so a lot of it's funny because a lot of people in high school don't even remember me, you know, so, but I wasn't, but I wasn't like outgoing. Right. I didn't talk to anybody. I just kind of hung to myself and uh, it wasn't, you know, until, I, I mean, all my friends were kind of like outside of school, you know, it was never inside of school. I didn't, you know, again, it was just the whole open hand mentality. Um, so uh, that was kind of my upbringing. Right. And how much older is your brother than you? Oh, he's actually younger. He's, he's three years younger than me. Oh, I see. Okay, got it. So you guys yep. would just basically travel as a as a package, as it were. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And just anywhere we went was just uh, you know, our imagination was was kind of critical. You know, it would just take us take us away. You know, because yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a coping mechanism. I think it's a survival technique. Is just kind of just like um, just yeah, pretending it was us against the world and and kind of leaning into just you know, let's make the best of what we got right this second. Yeah. And that's even like, a, you know, and you can hear it in some of the songs. 
um, you know, like um, inevitable where it's like, um, you know, where cardboard boxes took us miles from where we've been. You know, that wasn't about, a you know, a girl or a lover. That was actually about my brother. It's just about, you know, how that, um, yeah, just about how that that's what we had to do when we were young is just grab a cardboard box because they were always readily ab- available because we were always moving. You know, there was a time that we went moved to South Carolina for three months before we left. And so everything was still in boxes. We just picked it up and put it right back on the moving truck. So we could just use those for submarines or airplanes or anything else like that. But that's, that's basically uh, <laughs> my childhood in a, in a, in a synopsis. Sure. No, I appreciate that. And so as you started to plant a little root within Florida and then, you know, maybe start to actually be able to have experiences that weren't so transitory, did you find yourself gravitating? Like, did you like school? Did you like sports? Like, what did you try to participate in as you were, you know, figuring yourself out? Well, I think that's why I gravitated towards music so much because like, you got to think that every time I moved, it was a new school system. So I would never catch the curriculum at like they wanted. I would never, you know, you would have one set of textbooks in this, you know, state. And then ne- the other state was a year ahead or a year behind, or, you know, they just didn't emphasize what, you know, what was emphasized by the last one. So my, my grades began to suffer. I mean, like, you know, all, I mean, I can't remember making, it was all C's and D's, you know, an F here and there, but, but mostly just C's and D's. It wasn't until, till college where I started to realize like, Oh man, if I just had the same curriculum, I might've been all right. And then when I got my master's degree, that's when I actually had my best grades was in when I was getting my master's in business because I was completely focused. I was completely on. And, um, and so it was tough, man. It was growing up was tough as far as like that education wise. And as far as sports, you know, I did what everybody else did. We played the neighborhood sports and stuff like that. But, um, but again, like, you're not in the same system. You're not with the same coaches. You're not in the same teams. You don't have, you know, that you're having to relearn the entire. So, you know, you go and join a new soccer team at a school. Um, and then they're just kind of like, well, we don't know you. So go ahead and sit the bench for a year and you're gone, you know? So right. it was tough, but I mean, you know, I think, I think it honestly, it, you know, our, our past, it, you know, kind of molds us and shapes us. And I think it's for, there's always a reason. And so for me, I realized like, you know, that I'm always gravitating towards the down and out, you know, the outcast, the left behind, the lesser knowns. And, and for me, you know, like I, I just, that's the people I, I tend to even, you know, at the shows talk to. And, um, I just, you know, we've, we've always, Amberlynn has always been a part of humanitarian, you know, um, not only concepts and ideas, but also like we've put action to that. So we've, we've helped build homes for Habitat for Humanity. We've raised money for World Vision. We've, um, you know, worked with cancer, um, cancer uh, nonprofits where we go and love on the families and the kids at the hospital as a band and, you know, deliver food and stuff like that. So we've always been like that. Just, I think it just stems from me just wanting to give back and, and wanting to help people that, that, that are just, yeah, just have rough childhoods or just down and out. And um, I think a lot of it comes comes through lyrically as well. You know, I mean, everything from Hello Alone to the title of our record, Dark is the Way Light is a Place, because I just feel like, you know, one of my superhero powers is <laughs> superpowers is just to, to bring hope into the hopeless, you know, to bring a little bit of light into uh, into dark places. And that's what I've always tried to do through lyrics or my life. Yeah. Oh, it's reflective hearing the description of your experience. Like, I mean, that is something that I think really permeates through people that have gravitated towards subcultures, you know, punk, hardcore, indie, whatever you want to call it. And, And I think there's always that desire where you look for the people, like you said, in the room that's like, oh, like they look like they might be into something I'm into. It's not just the, you know, atypical experience. And so I, I think that really does reflect, like you said, your actions across the board, where it's like, yeah, we're not just saying this in our lyrics, but we are trying to live it as well. And I think that's yeah. a admirable shot that you're not just doing this. Yeah. I mean, even, even the one, the most recent, on the most recent uh, EP Silverline, that we have a song called Two Graves, in which basically is my childhood. You know, it's just no down from zero. Don't ever count me out. And it's just about how that, you know, even at a young age, I just felt out. I felt, I felt down. I felt like, you know, just, just had a lot of other, other things that happened in my childhood that that's, that wasn't too great, but you know what? I mean, like I'm better for it and I'm going to learn and I'm going to live a better life and I'm going to be a better father and I'm going to be a better husband, a better, you know, all of it human, 
because yep. of my, my experiences. Absolutely. <laughs> when you started to get drawn towards uh, music, I'm going to guess that you know music was a part of your household, so to speak, but not to the part of where, I mean, where you're at now in regards to, you know, playing in a band and just that idea of having this independent uh, subculture bleed into your life. Where did you get exposed to that side of of music where it's like, oh, this is stuff that isn't on the radio and that sort of uh, exploration? Yeah, it's, yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, that was high school. I mean, that's when I started to realize, like, we had a, we had a scene in, in Winter Haven, Florida, right around there. A lot of hardcore bands would come through. Um, we had little venues. One was called Friar Tux, and this band named Serp would come in, and they would just just crush. They were like sludge metal. I don't even know what they were, <laughs> but I just loved like I, I didn't love the music as much as I loved kind of the like you used to call it subculture of people that came out of the woodworks that were just like no one else understands me. No one else gets this. You know, these are my friends. These are the people I'm going to spend every other weekend with. And so that was awesome. I mean, and so that's what I wanted. I, you know, I think that I just wanted a gang, you know, I wanted people sure. around me like were like-minded and, and just, you know, were just cut from a different cloth. And and I felt like I related to all, to all of that. The, the subculture was very appealing, you know? And, um, and so I think that, that I, that's kind of where people, you know, like for, for where we lived, you were either a redneck, you know, drinking in the orange groves or you were starting a band. And so I think even Dion, our bass player was in like five or six different punk rock bands. Like I'm not sure. And all these other little bands that kind of springed up right around there. And so we just, uh, you know, we, I think that's, you know, and then people would start passing tapes, you know, and stuff like that. Like everything from operation Ivy and seven seconds to green day and, and all of that kind of, you know, Kerplunk was huge in high school and, all that kind of stuff. And, and Dookie came out, I think when I was like a freshman or something like that. So I, you know, I think that's where, um, that's where I kind of just started to pick it up. And then I went around, I, I, you know, 16 or 17 years old, a guy named Steve Wilson came to live with me because he was just having a lot of family problems. And, and, um, as a thank you, he gave me all his Smith's tapes. And that's where I was just like, Oh my gosh, what is this? You know, this guy's like talking about me and my life and my adolescence and my upbringing and all this stuff. And so that's kind of where I found like new wave. And it was all just, I feel very lucky because I mean, we are like a town of 27,000. And so to find all these incredible bands, you know, underground bands, punk rock bands, um, you know, just metal bands. Like I was just, I can't believe it. It just, it blows my mind because I don't think any other little town had the scene like we did. So it was really cool. I, no, I agree just from being from Southern California and observing all these, you know, scenes popping up around the country in the nineties and, you know, late nineties and early two thousands, Florida was always such a, you know, especially South Florida, because you guys really in general had to create so many scenes because bands, Yes, they did make a journey to Florida on occasions, but you know, the further you travel down the state, you have to travel back up it. <laughs> There's yep, that idea. You're right. Like, you're right. Yeah. So no bands like it was very hard for bands to, you know, make that journey down there because of there was either no venues to play or whatever. But to your point, you being able to observe a lot of local stuff and even people that started to participate outside of that, you just kind of were immersed in this community that you could observe yeah absolutely i think that's why you know the scene never made it down to miami because nobody wanted to drive that far so we just stopped in orlando or tampa and turned around and went to jacksonville and went out you know like there's just no way we we're going to drive nobody was going to drive 12 hours south so uh, you know once you hit the border so i mean i just yeah th- that's you're absolutely right it was kind of a location oriented as well oh me oh my it is spooky season that is upon us And our good friends at rockabilia.com have some really, really fun stuff for you to dive into. Did you ever think that you needed a Dark Throne skate deck? Well, how about you can go to the website and buy that? And if you use this promo code, 100 words or less, it gets you 10% off your entire order. Or how about a Slipknot Rockabilia exclusive long sleeve t-shirt? It's limited edition. They also have some, they have so much stuff. You want a piece of Beatles luggage? They got it for you. And all of this stuff is officially licensed, so that means the bands get paid. Everybody wins in this scenario, especially when you use the promo code 100 words or less. 
10% off your entire order, buy some gifts for your family, your friends, buy some shirts for yourself, and be able to look cool. Because after all, that's all we're really trying to do, right? And Rockabilly is the place where you can look cool. Trust me, buy that glow-in-the-dark Metallica shirt they have. That's, that's my advice. 100 words or less, promo code 10% off. Thank you, Rockabilia. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like, the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Ray. As you started to bring this stuff that was most likely pretty weird to your parents' home in regards to whether you were, you know, actually showing up with a mohawk at home or anything like that, yeah. but just, you know, how how were your parents reacting to that? Was it just like, oh my gosh, like Steven seems to be into some really weird music and what is, he's going to these VFW halls? Like, I don't really understand. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. I Yeah. I mean, I think they had a really tough time with it in the beginning. I mean, you know, I, and it wasn't even till like years later where my mom was finally like, Oh, good job. You know, they were very much <laughs> like, would you finally please go get a real job? You know, right. but when we, I, I was on, I don't even remember what magazine it was. We were on some magazine in Texas, like the cover of it. And my aunt called my family and was just like, I saw Steven at Barnes and Noble. And, and so I think that was the moment where my mom was like, oh, okay, you know, like he's doing something with his life. My dad was always kind of, you know, happy-go-lucky, like, yeah, good job, guy, you know, but it was never like, a, you should do this forever. Uh, it was very much a, okay, what are you going to do with that college degree? Uh, what are you, you going to go do something with that? Um, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, my mom cried when I dyed my hair black. She cried when I bleached my hair blonde. She <laughs> cried, you know what I'm saying? Like at every stage, it was just like, a, what, what piercing did you get? You know, so, um, but you know. I think I think after a while she just got kind of used to the pain, you know. <laughs> it was right. just like, um, yeah, yeah it's just like, oh, another tattoo. Okay, whatever, you know. Just it's fine. It's gonna be fine. So, right, right. you know. <laughs> and I was a good kid. I really was. I mean, you know, like I, I wasn't, I wasn't into some crazy stuff. So, you know, and they didn't know that. You know, like they they thought the worst. But after a while, they're just like, oh, okay, he's not, he's not that bad. You know, he's still, he's still cognizant. Right. So, well, and I, I think that's also why, you know, like if, if kids get into, you know, straight edge or vegetarianism or veganism, it's like parents can kind of maybe wrap their heads around that because they're like, yeah. oh, okay. Like if they're not yep. going to drink and they're out there in the real world, like I feel safe about that. They're not. You oh, know. absolutely. <laughs> but, and that's why even with, even with my kids, I, I'm telling them like all the time, I'm like, Hey, so when do you want to get your nose pierced? And they're like eight. And I'm just, they're just like, dad, no, never. And I'm like, okay, what about a tattoo? Let's go get a tattoo. And they, <laughs> I'm just, I, because what I'm trying to do is just like get them to like rebel and become like doctors or lawyers. And Absolutely. so they just stay out of the music business forever. But, uh, we'll no, see, I, I love we'll that. see if, if my, uh, if, if that works, you know, that, so the well, reverse I, I, psychology. No, it's honestly, I, I really, I think that there is so much to that because, you know, clearly kids have to rebel against their parents and, you know, looking at your experience where your kids will be like, Oh, you know, dad plays in this band and occasionally goes on tour and plays these shows or whatever. It's like, yeah, but like if your kids like your band, like you're doing something wrong, like they should think you suck because they got to find their own thing. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) 
So but, uh, with, but with I'm your, just trying to, yeah, I'm you're just, just trying to just, well, I mean, the cool thing is like, I will, they will never do something that will surprise me. It's not like, dad, listen to this metal band or listen to this hip hop band. It was not, I'm not going to be like, Oh oh my goodness. What is this? (laughs) Totally. You know, it's going to be like, cool. Let's go to the show. Right. It's a, you know, let's get a tattoo of of our our, our ticket stub. I don't know. Let's go. Of course. Yeah. You're like, "Uh, yes, I am familiar with cannibal corpse and uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a problem. Speaking of, I, I, I played that for them and they were just like, this is the worst thing ever. (laughs) They just, (laughs) They were not having it. I just, I, they were, I tried and they're like, damn, what are the song names? And it was, they were brutal. It oh, was yes. just like, it was like the devil's come to eat your firstborn child, you yep. know? And they were just like, dad, these song titles are crazy. But right. yeah, it was, I definitely played them cannibal corpse before. <laughs> that's spectacular. That's that's some good parenting as far as I'm concerned. You know, thank you. Thank yeah, you're you. welcome. Well, I'll be, well, the fun, the cool thing is like, I, so I went to the Dean guitar factory uh which is randomly in in tampa florida and i took my kids and so one of the guys in cannibal corpse works at the factory and so i was just like oh guys remember remember this guy we just met him you should let's check out his music and they're like oh gosh no dad no turn this off (laughs) it was awesome (laughs) dude that's incredible i love that and so as you were going through school, like you said, you know, grades were whatever. And as you progressed through your education, you, you know, cared more about it, <laughs> applied yourself, yeah. so to speak. What was the life path? Because like you said, you were, you know, you were just kind of existing within school. Was there an idea that, you know, hey, you're going to, you know, work for Whirlpool or like, was there any uh, conceit about what you wanted to do with your life? Man, I... I, I had nothing. I mean, I was going to be honest. Like, I mean, yeah. I was floundering and flailing and, you know, sleeping on couches. You know, I, I mean, I was in bands ever since I was 16. It wasn't until like I was 19 where I was just like, I love music. But man, I, I literally was looking at like everything from vocational school. So right out of high school, um, well, I mean, let's rewind a little bit. In high yeah. school, my guidance counselor was basically, you know, sat me down, was like, you're not going to make it in college. Here, if you study really hard, I think you can get through vocational school, maybe. You know, so here's an application to your and so I started to believe that about myself. Like I'm not intelligent, I can't learn, I'm never gonna be good at college. So right out of then, I got a I got a job at a at an amusement park for mowing lawns at an amusement park. And because I thought that's all I was good for. I thought that's it. I'm just gonna be a some menial groundskeeper. I'm just gonna, you know, I'll just get some job, I'll, you know live out my life here in a trailer in winter Haven, Florida. And about six months in, I realized like, I'm not like these other people. Like I have aspirations and dreams. I want to make something of myself. I want to, I want to do something different with my life, you know? And, and it was from there that I was like, you know, screw it. I'm going to try community college. And I tried it and I did good at it. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to go to university of central Florida. And I did it, you know? And so like, I just had to get over the preconceptions that other people spoke, which reconfirmed already how I was feeling about myself and this, the lack of self, you know, self-worth and the, the unself-confidence. That's not even a word, but you know what I'm saying? Lack of yep. confidence, self-confidence. Um, all just played a massive role in the trajectory of my life as opposed to someone speaking into my life saying, I know you can make it. I know you'll figure it out. What about this path? Where, you know, what's one next practical step in your life? And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I had to learn it on my own. I had to learn, I had to believe it of myself that like I could accomplish things if I tried, you know, and then I got, and then I, the pendulum swung the entire other way. You know, as soon as we got, we started having success in Amberlynn, I was limitless. I just felt limitless. I wrote a book that you should never read because it's horrible. Um, it's really bad, but I mean, I started a record label. I, you know, I, man, whatever I could get my hands on. I went, um, I, I worked social media for ultimate years. I got my master's degree. I mean, I just, I just was like, I'm going wild after life. Like for how much I felt like just down and out. Like I was, you know, as soon as I tasted the success, even it wasn't even that much. It was just a little bit. I was like, I just felt unlimited. I could do anything I set my mind to. And sure, it wasn't like groundbreaking novel that I wrote or, you know, the record label I, you know, had signed, you know, 
two two bands and, and put out my own anchor braille project and all that garbage like but i was just limitless i was like no one's gonna tell me i can't do anything because i'm gonna do it all i'm just gonna do it all sure and so it was amazing man but no, uh, that, but, that's that's cool they get that i mean when you do find that ambition and i mean even when you're you know playing in bands in high school as you did like you do still have these little sparks of ambition just playing the shows putting out a demo tape all that sort of stuff but I really like the fact that you felt like your brain came alive where it's like, Oh, I can do all of this at the same time. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's exactly. Really cool. And kind of on that same tip. Um, I, I know, I mean, faith has always played a very important part of your life and, you know, through the yes. expression of a, a lot of different things, both professionally and musically as well. When did you feel like you chose it for yourself? Cause I know that everybody has to go through those, you know, whatever dark valleys, whatever, metaphor you want to put in there where it's like, okay, do I actually believe this? Or is this just something I was raised with? Man, it's a great question. And one that everyone should answer for themselves. And if they don't understand, if they don't know the answer, they call themselves a Christian. I would, I would question their faith, to be honest. Um, I think everybody, you know, needs to struggle and, and work it out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Um, for me, that was around the age of 18 years old. You know, I, I, I was raised in the church I definitely walked away, definitely just was like, I, you know, just did not agree with a lot of things that was happening in my life and in the church and all this stuff. And so I just said, you know, forget this, like I'm just walking away. And so um, at 18 years old, I found myself in the middle of the Ukraine and um, it was an incredible experience. I was on a, a mission trip and um, dude, it just was life changing because I had to come to grips and terms with who I was and what I truly believed. And so that's the moment. That's the moment. You know, I, I, I went to the Ukraine because I was trying to like just escape from my family and from life and just get away for the summer. I was looking for a vacation. And so, you know, they said, Oh, do you want to go on a mission trip? And I was like, well, not really, but I mean, if it's free, you know, I'll go. But I spent two months over there and in there, I just found I just found God. I just found him for my own. You know, I definitely at that, when I went on the trip, I would definitely was not into it, not into spirituality or religion or faith or whatever you want to fill in the blank with. And when I came back, I was just a definitely a changed person. So I just encourage anybody that's out there. That's just kind of like wondering about their faith or wondering about God or Christianity as a whole is just not to take anybody else's word for it, but just to go back and read the red letters. Cause that's what I did. I just went back and read you know, in the gospels. And I just wanted to learn about who this character Jesus was. And for me, man, I found life change and I've, I've definitely, definitely, definitely made mistakes since then, since turning my life over to the Lord. But, uh, for me, um, it's never, it's, it's, it's been an incredible journey and, and it's my faith. I've just never given up on it. Just, it is part of my DNA. Like, I think if you dissected my human body, I think there would, you know, in there, I think people could, see, you know, scientists right. could see my faith. That's how entwined it is into my daily daily life now, and and even during the band, even at the pinnacle years, even at the best of times and worst of times, you know, my faith carried me through. Yeah, that's cool. I just I, I like when you have that you know story or moment when it's just like, oh yes, I feel like I chose this for myself as opposed to you know just the habitual thing, like you said, where you don't question it and you just kind of follow along. So it's cool. The um. You know, c- considering that, you know, I know you played in a punk band, the, you know, how do you, S- Sago, S- Sago, how do you actually say that? It's called Don't Listen to This. I know, uh, I know. That's, that's the, that's the correct. <laughs> that's the credit. Okay. Anyways. No, it's called, yeah, so, I mean, we, we called ourselves Saga 24-7, but, okay. you know, I, you know, it's just, it was, it was a, it was a dark time of my life. No, well, I mean, let's cut yourself some slack because, I mean, when you're starting a band in high school, like, you have to be terrible. If you're, like good then that's the that's really a unicorn like experience you know yeah (laughs) so you're right you're right and and so when you started to you know play shows because you play did did you actually sing for that band or no i did yeah 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 was that sound like me because i at that time i loved hot water music and i was just like dude those guys are amazing so i was like trying to sing like them and stuff like that we were kids we were dumb dumb kids absolutely right (laughs) and you're like uh, you know, I have I haven't really drank, nor do I have a beard, but I'm gonna go ahead and put on the uh, put on the hot water music voice. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, 
when you started to play shows and just kind of, you know, get out there a little bit, was it, uh, I guess, easy for you to sort of front a band from the idea that, you know, oh, people are paying attention to me? Um, you know, was that uh, a learning process for you or did you kind of step into that a little bit, um, you know, not easy, but understand it? You know, I mean, so I was always around music growing up, whether that was my family or my church or just, you know, um, just, you know, all of it. But, um, you know, and so it just kind of was natural to sing, you know, but the cool thing is like when we started out, I mean, like two people were coming to the show and then five and then 10 and then 20, you know, see what I'm saying? So you kind of like slowly build up. And at that time, like we were a punk rock band, but we were playing with a lot of met like you know, like our seat was like ludicrous and Norma Jean and, you know, Chariot eventually and Under Oath and, you know, um, just all those bands. And so we would watch their stage presence and their show and these, you know, hardcore shows. And it was just all energy. And so even when we translated that over to punk and then even Amber Lynn, it was like, everybody, we are all in the entire show, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean that's kind of where I picked it up, just watching other people, you know. Um, Got it. it. Yeah, and I know something interesting, like along the way, you know, as you were playing in bands and you know form forming in Berlin. I, I know in there you got your degree in psychology. That clearly was attached to something where you wanted to maybe use that in some other uh, capacity. What was the thought process behind that? Besides you just obviously getting a degree. Oh man. So, I mean, the, the, the thought process as far as like psychology is concerned taking is because like, I didn't think that anything else could retain my attention. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't want to major in math. I'd, I'd just drop out, you know? So for me, I was like, listen, what am I going to do? You know, that's just going to like, I'm going to be excited to wake up and, and go to, you know, go to class. You know what I'm saying? So, yep. um, that, that's what it was. And I, I learned a lot. I thought it was really intriguing. I also realized like, I do not want to be a therapist, but I'm still going to keep this major, <laughs> you know? Sure, sure. And I just felt like you could apply it to a lot of different, you know, parts of life, you know, like you was studying about psychologists and, and eventually like philosophers and all that kind of stuff, which was part of my minor. It was just kind of like, just cool to learn, you know, just cool to grow and learn and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Got so, it. you know, and then eventually I realized, man, I, I want to do something more in business. And then that's kind of where I narrowed it down. It was just like, okay, I want to get my MBA for sure. Cause I just feel like if I work for a church or the government or, you know, like, you know, Amazon, or I start my own company, I mean, that's totally applicable. So I just, that's why I kind of settled on the MBA. Right. Right. That's cool. And considering the connection that uh, Anne Berlin had with Tooth and Nail from the get-go, you know, releasing your first couple of records, you were always entwined with the music business, you know, pretty quickly uh, and early on in the band's career. How has your relationship with the business side of things been with the band? Has it been something that you kind of you care about, but you want to remain distant from, or is it something that you really enjoy because, you know, of all of the aspects that you're talking about with your, your master's degree in business? Uh, how is the relationship there? Oh man, no, I love the business aspect of the band. I love it. I mean, they, they used to call me a suit with a microphone, you know what I'm saying? Cause like, <laughs> I, I just, I, I was in all those meetings, you know what I'm saying? I was, I was helping to, um, I was hoping to, you know, like I, I helped with our, you know, with, with kind of negotiating with our record label. I negotiated with our, our um, publishing company. You know, I was in on all those meetings, making crucial decisions, you know, so I, and I loved it. I love that whole thing. So it's, it's something that I want to, you know, I, I, I took, a, you know, I continued on again. Like I started to, my, I started to be, <laughs> begin to start my own companies, you know what I'm saying? Right. Going after, you know, going after starting my own record label and, and all these little, little DUI projects I was working on. And, and even now, I, you know, even today I'm part owner of at least four companies, you know? So I just, I love it. I love growing the, it's not even about, it's not about money. It's more about like the game of like starting a business is just so cool. And so I, I don't know. It's been it's been pretty fun, and that's uh, it's something I've carried with me since the band days. That's cool. That's cool, especially too. Cause, I mean, as you've probably seen other peers or you know friends' bands, that especially with the singer, it always seems to fall on their shoulders to be like, oh yeah, that's the person that you know like does all the business or whatever. But then sometimes like the singer doesn't want to deal with that at all. <laughs> it just gets like, yeah. yeah. And so, but it's cool that you actually enjoy that and are willing to take on that extra, you know, responsibility there. 
Well, I mean, absolutely. I, I, you know, and again, like, I mean, singers have such a weird dynamic. It's so weird because they have got to be a politician. They have to be a public speaker. They have to be a talented musician. They have to be a singer. They have to be a songwriter. They've got to be a negotiator. They've got, you know, and then, you know, trying to keep even uh, my, my, my brother from Tallahassee was like, dude, nobody talks about band dynamics that, you know, keeping people together is, is insane. So sometimes the singer has to be a psychologist and, and uh, you know, the, the, the mediator. And it's just, it's all of it, all of it in one. And um, I love it. I love the dichotomy, you know, going back to what you said, you used the word chameleon uh, earlier in this podcast. And I like that word because that's what I had to learn as a kid. And I kind of kept that up. So no matter what environment I'm in, I can kind of amalgamate to that moment and try to rise. I mean, do you want a lead singer? Do you want a businessman? Do you want a dad? Do you want a father, like a husband? It's just, I get a chance to walk into those situations and go, whatever you need, you need a pastor right now. Like I'm all in, I'm all here. And and I can compartmentalize and kind of pull into the different personalities because that's what I've had to do literally my whole life. My childhood was being a chameleon at every school I went to and being in the band has been, you know, I have 10 jobs every day, you know, literally 10 jobs, you know, whether that's being an interview or being on stage or being backstage or on the phone, it's just, I've got, I've got to be different, you know, and I love it. I mean, I, I literally, I love it. I love waking up and just being like, all right, what, what project am I going to work on today? Is that music with Amber Lynn? Is that working with my friend on the media company reacting? Is this working with my friend, Steven Alex on, you know, Corrales? I mean, we just, we just, you know, I just love it. So it's, it's so much fun. I really enjoy life right now. I'm so thrilled to continue to bring back our awesome sponsor, evilgreed.net. They are a European-based online web store solution for bands, but they also send it to you, the consumer. You are able to purchase cool stuff, get it shipped to you, lickety-split from around the world. Their shipping times and costs to the United States are very, very low. So I would jump on that because you can use this promo code 100 words and that gets you 10% off of your entire order. So let me tell you some of the rad, rad record labels and bands they work with because that's the thing. They work with a very, very highly curated list. They don't just welcome every band and record label in there. They serve a function for you. If you are buying it from them, they have deemed it cool in their eyes and something that you should pay attention to. So they work with labels like Closed Casket Activities, Triple B. They also work with Sargent House and they work with amazing bands like Chelsea Wolf, Emma Ruth Rundle, Nails, Power Trip, Blood Incantation, Sun. Obviously it's of the heavy variety, but you get it. You like music. And that is why EvilGreed.net is the place for you to use the promo code 100 words. Gets you 10% off your order. Buy it ship it to you, and enjoy the spoils of your labor. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Touring, that is something that I know people have a uh, sometimes tumultuous relationship with where it's like, oh, I, touring isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. Uh, how has your relationship with that uh, you know, either changed or evolved over the years? Or have you, generally speaking, always enjoyed it? So, I mean, it used to be home. You know, it used to be literally like that was my bunk was more of my house than my own home because I would spend seven, eight, nine months on that one bus as opposed to my own bed, which I spent like three or four months on. Right. So, you know, but over the years, like it's definitely, you know, flipped to where I just do, I'm just got to be honest with you. I don't like touring. Like I, I just, 
I don't enjoy it. It's not, you know, I, I love the hour and a half, two hours on stage. I don't like the other 22, 22 and a half hours because I just feel like I lose parts of myself that I excel at. You know, I, I, I lose that like super motivated, you know, healthy eating, you know, I worked out, you know, workout guy, you know, I, all that, you know, family guy, like dad, husband, you know, like I'm there for people and I enjoy that aspect. So, I mean, I think that if we were like double our size, you know, Amberlynn wasn't, wasn't massive and we weren't insignificant. We were just right in the middle. But if we were like double our size and we could have like two buses and I could bring my family out, we may still be doing it full time, but I just can't bring my family. So I leave them behind. And for years I would miss first steps and first words and first days of preschool and all of that is gone. I don't have any recollection because I wasn't there. And so I just don't want that life anymore. It's, I, I, I say it all the time. It's, it's quantity of life because you have everything. You have fame, notoriety, money, you know, influence, um, music, status, all of it, you know, uh, but you have no quality of life, zero, you know, your health is down. You're emotionally, physically, spiritually drained. You have no consistency, you know, so it's just tough. It's a tough life. And I, I admire those people that stay out for like, a, you know, a year at a time. Like I remember when my Kim, my Kim came out with a black parade and they were literally on the road for almost two years straight. And I was like, Oh my gosh, how, how are you doing that? And then I realized, yeah, that to the toll of the band broke up, you know what I'm saying? Because it's sure. hell. It just is hell. And um, so it's a love hate, you know, it's a love hate relationship. I, I, I love like just working smarter, not harder. I love playing like Riot Fest and, you know, like uh, just Bonnaroo. And I love playing all the festivals. That's so fun because you fly in, it's a family reunion. You hang out with a lot of old friends. You play a show, you make the fans happy. You make your wife happy by coming home the next day <laughs> and the kids. And um, and it just works out like that. So yeah. that's, that's what we're trying to work into. I mean, you know, obviously the rest of some of the rest of the guys in the band would love to be on the road back seven, eight, nine months a year, but it's just not who we are anymore. Um, so I'm not saying we'll never do it again. I'm just telling you my, my relationship with it. It's a, it's a little bit of a love hate. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's this sort of, this suspended state of animation. It's like, yes, you were, wow. you're existing, yeah. but like you said, you're not truly living. Like you're just having this parallel experience, which is cool but it doesn't plug you into all the you know <laughs> the things that are yep. are uh you know life-giving so i totally get where you're coming from yep this uh this is going to sound extremely superficial uh sure. but i have to ask because uh y- your hair has always been so impressive to me because <laughs> <laughs> the reason awesome. being <laughs> the reason being is that you have you know a- adapted styles over time not only to you know, what is, uh, obviously you are comfortable with, but then, um, you know, just the, I'm sure if you look at a picture of yourself in 2004, you're just like, I cannot even believe like the swoop hair, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so is it, um, you know, is, is it fun for obviously you to just be like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, like I, I got hair, I can style it in these like crazy ways. I mean, obviously it sounds like you were dying your hair back in high school. So yeah, your, your hair journey. I'm just very interested in it. Yeah. Oh man, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, it was, I, you know, I would, my biggest influence over the course of the grand scheme was Morrissey, obviously with his, his, um, you know, whatever faux hawk or whatever you want to call it. I was always, so that's why even on, um, our second record, never take friendship. I was still, I was still rocking the faux hawk. And then I was like, Oh, I'm going to grow my hair like this. And then when one day I <clears throat> was looking at a magazine cover and I was like, oh my gosh, every one of these people has a swoop. And so right after New Sur- like right after we took the pictures for New Surrender, I like cut all my hair off because I was like, I, that is not, I'm not doing that. That's crazy. <laughs> I was trying to do what people weren't doing and suddenly sure. everybody was doing. I was like, oh, okay, enough. So, and then I just kind of kept it like that. I just, you know, I've tried different stuff, but nothing is, uh, has, has kind of caught my attention yet. And so I'm just going to keep, I'm going to keep rocking whatever this, whatever I call this. And so it's just, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, my, 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 my wife loves it cause it's so thick. My barber hates me. So I can, <laughs> yeah, you make a lot of work for them, but that's a good thing. Yeah. That's a good thing. I'm yeah. not complaining. I'm not complaining. Exactly. Exactly. Um, 
with the idea, I mean, like you were talking about in the uh, the journey of the band's touring life, and you know, being able to have all, all these you know interesting and surreal moments of places that you never thought you'd be able to go. F- for you, throughout the you know even the earlier years of the band, uh, what did you feel? I, I guess the band was real, quote unquote, and you know whether that's like oh, you playing a show that you never thought, or even signing the tooth and nail, or like any of those moments that kind of stick out in your head where it's like. Oh wow! Like I guess we're quote unquote doing it, whatever that may mean. Yeah, dude, I know it. I mean, I got it. I mean, I just I see it in my mind. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it's the closest to a movie of uh, ever. And basically, we we uh, got signed to Tooth and Nail Records, and then they said, "Okay, you're going to come out here and work with Aaron Sprinkle. He's out here in Seattle, Washington." So, you know, being from again from a very small town, I hate to keep perseverating on it, but that's just the reality of it all. Um, you know, we, you know, our goals and aspirations were, you know, our big dream was to play one day. We're going to play Atlanta, Georgia. You know, that was the dream. It wasn't like we're going to tour in London, England, and we're going to go to China. It was never that it was like, you know, please God, can we make it to Atlanta, Georgia? So here's these guys like flying across the country into Tacoma airport, Tacoma, Seattle airport. And then we go over on the highway over kind of this hill, this ridge, and then it's like slow motion. Like we see the city of Seattle and we're all just like crowding up front of this rental car and we are losing it. And it was at that moment that we made it like, I don't care if we got a flat tire and then we all were pissed and we quit the band with the band made it then like before we recorded our first song, before we went on our first tour, Amberlynn was absolutely a success in my book to be able to have that adventure, that journey, that moment right there, us crossing into Seattle. That was unbelievable. That's odd. So I, I love when you ha- do you have those moments like or the first time you, you know, hold a T-shirt or just like, yeah, those little moments are just so reflective in people's you know, not only mentalities for creating art, but just those, those moments. Cause you know, it, it's really easy to be like, dude, I played for 10,000 people. It's like, that's cool. But like, what about those other things where that you would never consider being a pivotal moment? Exactly. Yeah. Yep, I love- totally agree. The, like you mentioned, uh, you know, when we were talking about touring, uh, there once Anne Berlin started to wrap down your touring lifestyle and not being gone 200 plus days out of the year. And as you're transitioning into, uh, you know, quote unquote, real life, as it were, um, was that a uh, difficult or exciting transition for you to be able to like actually be at home? Um, or was that a little bit scary? Yeah, it was a little bit scary. I mean, it's just like, because music is all I've known since I was like 19 years old, you know? So it was definitely one of those things where it's just like, all right, well, here we go, you know, on to plan A. And that's where we went. Um, But, you know, I I was personally very ready to be out of Amberlynn. You know, I was just, I just was emotionally and spiritually and physically, everything drained. I just, everything was sapped. My passion was sapped. My time was sapped, all of it. And so I was ready and it was, you know, because you got to think that like when you're in a band, it's very small. Every day is just like one little stair step, one little stair step. And suddenly you realize, oh my gosh, like I'm on a mountaintop. This is crazy. I'm way up here. And so it's the bigger risk was not joining a band and quote unquote, following your dreams and all that. The bigger risk was leaving the dream. You know, it was like, what is next? What is next? And the fumbling forward of all of that is a whole other story. But yeah, that was a greater risk was the getting out of the band as opposed to like, let's go start a band. That was the easy, that was the easy part. Cause you're just passionate about it. You're excited about it. You know, getting out of a band was just jumping out of a plane and wondering, do I have a parachute on? I don't remember if I strapped one on. Totally. Totally. And I mean, to be honest too, I'm sure it's one of those things where you've had many peers that have also transitioned into that. And there are, humans that you can look at where it's like i am concerned about what they're going to do with their life afterwards and then there's others where you're like oh they may not have a plan but you know they got a good head in their shoulders and they'll figure it out you know so you you strike me as the person where it's like oh yeah like whatever route you decide to take like there's enough there there where you're not just going to be this you know complete you know scumbag <laughs> not, not i hope so i hope so i hope i'm not a complete scumbag i'm partly though Part, um yeah that's fine. yeah it's just yeah and i mean the, the other dichotomy the other aspect of that dichotomy is the fact that um 
a lot of people get their entire life so wrapped in the band that they become that first name from that band name. You know, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm Stephen from Amberlynn. And at some point that seeps into your soul and you become your career. People, that's how people know you. That's how people describe you. That's how people, you know. And so that's that's another thing that people don't even think about, like ex-band members. You know, they just they just don't. And so, yeah, it's that's a whole other subject as far as like psychologically detaching yourself from who you were and mm-hmm. what you were and the, you know, the occupation you were. Cause I, you know, not a lot of other people, it's not like, Oh, that's Brenda, Brenda, the social worker. That's not how you have her in your phone. It's probably a first name and a last name, but with the band, it's just kind of like, Oh, that's, that's Anthony from Bayside or, you know, that's this guy from this band, you know? So yep. that's, that's how they are in your phone. And that's kind of how they learn to be as a human. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Especially too, where it's like the idea of, Oh, that's a Brenda from Salesforce. Like, yes, yeah. <laughs> it's like no exactly. one professionally says that or no one yes. in normal life says that, but right, yeah, right. totally get it. Um, yeah, that's Brandon from uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. He's on the morning shift. It's great. <laughs> totally. Um, a few last things I want to hit on was the, you know, nostalgia plays a very powerful part in many bands' lives, especially, you know, ones that reform and realize that they can exist, you know, on your own terms, similar to what you're talking about of being able to play festivals and not have to run the proverbial rat race. Uh, how do you personally balance the idea of, you know, continuing to create, you know, new art and, I mean, putting out your new record with Equal Vision and, you know, then there's also that flip side of expectation where people are like, Hey, where's feel good drag for the 40th time. Can you play that again? Mm. Like, how do you, I guess, balance both of those things out? Yeah. I mean that, I mean, it's, we are under no guise that like we're about to get the band back together and we're going to be huge and famous and not, you know, wait, can't wait for us to, you know, the radio single and we're going to be on the biggest Spotify playlist of all time. I, I just don't, I don't, you know, I, that's great if that happens. Awesome. But I have no delusions of grandeur. And so you know, that's what we're doing on these shows that we're on the run. We're playing three nights in every, in these cities uh, from Denver to, you know, to, uh, you know, obviously St. Pete. And I'm, today I'm calling you from New, to, from New Jersey and we're just playing the three biggest records, you know, because we what we do is we look through Spotify and we look through Apple and saw what everybody was listening to. And then we realized the majority and the bulk of those songs come from these three records. So these are the three records we're going to play. We're not doing like this isn't like what Amberlin wants to play. It's like what if I was a fan? And this was my favorite band of all time. What do I want them to see? What do I want to hear? What do I want to see? Well, I want to make sure that they play, you know, absolutely the songs that 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 I'm listening to now or that bring me back to a specific time. Now, we definitely add in like some new stuff off Silverline. We put in some B-sides for the super hardcore fans and stuff like that. But for the most part, we are just we are all into whatever the fans are all into. That I really like that. Because it, it's especially, I mean, the the residency idea that you guys are doing, where it's you know you're coming in, you're playing the records, you're doing like you said, what the you know people who have consumed your art want, but then it doesn't because, and I'm sure you have witnessed this too. Like there is this idea of feeling desperate to hold on to whatever stature you have, and that's where the nostalgia, you know, viewing things through rose colored glasses, really you know, puts a tarnish on a band's legacy where it's like, Oh really? You guys doing like what the, the 13 year anniversary of this record or whatever. So it's like, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the last thing I wanted to hit on was the, uh, you know, your life as a worship leader and a pastor. I mean, like we were talking about, this is hard boiled in your DNA and I can almost presume that you bring a lot of your, you know, band slash entertainment life into the work that you do with that, because there is that sort of, you know, evangelizing nature of playing in a band. Um, did you feel stepping into that role pretty, uh, I guess, naturally? Yeah. I mean, for some, for a couple of different reasons, I mean, it's definitely a huge, huge learning curve. Absolutely. Coming out of a band into a, you know, into a church especially a church of that size. I mean, that's, we, I went to Calvary church immediately after the band does pastor skip uh, out in Albuquerque. It's about 14,000. It's a huge church. Um, so there's a lot to learn, but I will say like, I think if you, you know, a couple of different things, you know, one, you know, talking about, um, 
talking about like, you know, as, as far as like trying to, to inspire people and give hope, you know, throughout the band's career, you know, whether that's nonprofits or whatever, you know, lyrics or, or song titles, I mean, that's, that carried over, you know, that carried over. Um, obviously the music carried over and obviously, you know, my, just my faith, my journey in faith, uh, carried over. So all those three things combined, I don't want to say it made it effort, effortless. I would just say, I mean, it's definitely eased the learning curve a little bit. Right. You could, you could step into it knowing that you have some of the building blocks that you could know that you're like, I'm not going to be an abysmal failure. I could be a failure, but I'm not going to be abysmal failure at this. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Right. Well, Steven, thank you so much for hanging out. I really appreciate you letting me uh, ping pong around your life like this. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. There you go. Well, that was Mr. Steven Christensen from Anne Berlin. And like I said, they have a new EP out on Equal Vision right now. And you can find it wherever you stream or potentially purchase music. Hopefully you're purchasing it because, you know, we all need more vinyl in our lives, right? Or maybe that's just me. But big shout out to his publicist and everybody who helps, uh, you know, put this show together. I very much appreciate that. So thank you, Alexa. And thank you to Steven for making it happen. Next week, I have another amazing live podcast from Outbreak Fest that I did in June of 2022 at the awesome awesome music festival called Outbreak. And I have Walter Schreifels from Quicksand and Will Yip, the legendary producer. I'm going to use the word legendary because he's done a lot of records and he's been active for a very long time. Both of them are great humans and we had super fun chats there. So that's what I got next week. I'm excited to share that with you. And until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.